Back with the Woolly Mammoth Revival, it's me, Simon Hoban, from BBC Radio, and Mike Ward, the Daily Star's TV critic. I thought it was our 10th episode, Mike. It turns out it's our 11th. Uh, we've, I think it is. We've lost count, haven't we? We, um, we missed our sort of anniversary there, didn't we? I wanted to do well, something on the 10th. I think, to... I think nobody will notice if we just say it's our 10th. OK. None of our followers, who, who it turns out all yeah. tend to be incredibly attractive models. That's fantastic. Well, and I'm yeah. going to assume their offers of sex are genuine. <laughs> well, in all honesty, yeah. you know, this is the story of my life. Either, no surprise. They're either models or Nigerian princes, aren't they? So we, we seem to have those kind of people following us on SoundCloud. That's fine. But as we get to episode 11, I don't think it's immodest of me to say, Mike, that the podcast certainly goes from one podcast to the next, doesn't it? It does, without exception. Yeah. We, and that's, that's, that's something that I think we can both be very proud of. I think so, I think so. But we, we, we reach the 11th, yeah. and we're going to talk about things that we don't think are quite right, as is our want. Uh, yeah. What have you got this week? What have you noticed? What have you found? Uh, young people. <laughs> Really, Lord I brush. I don't. Yeah, because obviously, you know, we're now we're now in this sort of post-election. This isn't a political party political statement on any uh, on any level. I, I I must stress, but you know, because of the way the election went and all the um, uh, analysis afterwards about the increasing youth vote, etc., mm-hmm. um, and all the parties now thinking this is the party, this is the sort of area of the electorate that we must must court in future. We really need to sort of get our act together um, from all sides of the political spectrum. And I'm thinking it isn't actually young people that's not quite right. It's the burden of responsibility that is now being put on the shoulders of people who ought to have the freedom to be idiots. Because <laughs> when I was a teenager, yeah. I was an idiot. When I was 16, 17, 18, you know, I don't mean this sort of ridiculous, you know, vandalistic idiot, is that a word? You know, <laughs> no. or, or, or a complete natural. But I, I was, you know, quite happy to be sort of a bit dim and a bit... That, that's a phase that you should be allowed to go through. And I think the idea that now, oh, yes, let's have votes from, you know, let's lower the voting age. Mm. Well, that, it's well-intentioned, but I think it's all it's doing. It's suggesting that at that age, you've got the perspective and and the, and the wisdom um, to have to, 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 to make the judgments necessary. And I think, well, if somebody came to me at that age and said, look, we trust your judgment, it's as valuable as somebody who's, you know, raised a family and, you know, and, and sort of lived, you know, years, decades of yeah. adulthood and responsibility. Your, your opinion is just as valuable. I just think, well, no, it isn't. I'm a nutter. I'm an idiot. I'm useless. I'm a waste of skin. So I think it's unfair on young people that they're, that they're being robbed, if you like, of their, or, or, or political parties are trying to rob them of the freedom to just do stupid stuff and burden them with this responsibility uh, of of shaping the, the nation's future. Yeah, I often wonder what it might be like for rock stars or pop stars generally, actually. Yeah. People like Katy Perry, whose records are bought by younger people. You know when yeah. they perform live at yeah. Glasgow? As indeed Jeremy Corbyn did. Yes. Um, when oh, Katy Perry... I thought that was Barry Gibb. <laughs> when Katy Perry's performing, and she's in her kind of late 30s now, 40s, yeah. I often wonder what it must be like to look out at the audience and realise it's kids. Yeah. I think my music is consumed by children and I'm yeah. performing to them and I'm yeah. an adult. <laughs> yes. And that must be slightly odd because you kind of want, there aren't many areas of life where you want the approval of very young people no. you know, to validate your work. Yes. In a strange way, it's a little like we were talking about the, um, I think we talked about the other week about the, in the other, the other way around when you're, you know, you're an adult and in, in, uh, an older, significantly older adult and you go to a football match and you're kind of hero worshipping people who are young enough yeah. to be your children or even your grandchildren yeah. in a way that seems odd if you stop and analyse it. So the idea of sort of relating to, to an age group that's just clearly not yours, yeah. either way around, 
is quite odd. You mentioned that in relation to, especially like fellas who put the name of a player on their shirt, oh. who who was you know the player might be about nineteen. What I always love about that is when the people who put a name on the back of the shirt, when the yeah. player isn't really tried and tested yet, yeah. and they just get a bit excited, maybe with a new signing, and yeah. they'll put like Dimitrov on the back, yeah. and he turns out to be absolute garbage. Yes. <laughs> you know? And lum- they either have yeah. to sort of buy another shirt with all yeah. the expense involved, or they're just lumbered with that thing. Yeah. I think oh, if you're going to wear a replica shirt, and I'm not a replica shirt wearing person these days, but if you are, I think the respectable thing is to do one of those slightly naff things where you have your own name and your birth date on it. So it's like <laughs> yeah. Gordon 62 or yeah. something or other. Do you on mean it. go the whole ironic hog? Yeah. And therefore, you know, you're not tied. Well, obviously when you're 63, it's dated, but you're not t- sort of tied down to a player <laughs> who's unlikely to um, stick around. On- I'm trying to remember now whether I've ever done that. Have, have, you ever, have I ever got a player's name on the back? I think I did get Rooney's on the back, actually. When he when he was just coming through, okay, and I was you think you did. You must remember whether you. Uh, yeah, down. I'm pretty sure I did because actually with Rooney, I was a hundred percent sure he was going to turn out ah, great. You had seen the future, yeah, and he he was, you know, he was stone cold, brilliant at, at sixteen. So you know, I've only ever, I've only ever worn two shirts with names on the back. One of which was a slight cheat because. Um, in the dim and distant past, uh, long before your time, Brighton over Albion used to have a player called uh, Peter Ward, right. who wore number eight, uh, and is ah. commonly known in, in, in. So I had Ward, yes, think, or possibly Wardy, I can't remember because he was known as Wardy, mm. uh, uh, eight on it. So it sort of was mine, but it was also a sort of um, you know laterally a reference to him as well. So you could take it either way. And the other one was Ravel. Okay. And the reason I had that is because a guy called Alex Ravel used to play for us, and he, I think he gave my daughter his shirt on one occasion. And obviously, yeah, it's not, it doesn't really fit her. Yeah. So I've worn it on occasion. And do you know what? I wear it on a very rare occasions to do the opposite of what people who like to have the latest kit do. Right. I like to wear a kit that's a good number of seasons old, just yeah. to remind people that I haven't just turned up this season because we're doing quite oh, well. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, vintage. You know, that's, that, yeah, that's that's my my approach. And the good thing about having Ravel on is that if anyone sneers at it, you just say, well, actually, I, I mean the French composer. Big fan of <laughs> big fan of Bolero. Yeah. And other works. Yeah. Mm. Spelt differently, but there you go. <laughs> Mine today is going to be that I'm worried that if my decision not to have children, as as it stands at the moment, yeah. has made me a bit selfish, because. Ooh. The thing about not having kids is that you're so in control of your own time yes. that whenever anyone makes the slightest demand on it now, mm. I kind of resent it. I know this is odd, but it, I get irritable if someone even wants me to be somewhere at a certain time, place, or even year. I'm like, oh, you want me to be where next month yes. on a perfectly reasonable time? Yeah. Oh, God. Whereas if you have kids, of course, I mean, and I noticed this with my brother who's got two, yeah. that he never has, he can't do anything himself he has no spontaneity yeah. yeah he just has had that whipped away for him from the for the next seven or eight years while he brings oh, his it's little longer trust me it's longer than that is it i noticed one of the things i noticed when uh, we had our daughter was that you suddenly in the course of going about your daily business you suddenly come it's almost like kind of a zen meditation thing you almost start to value fleeting moments yes. of peace mm. it's like when when she you know we'd put her down to sleep or, or, or whatever and you finish work for the day, whatever. And even if you thought, well, actually, I could be woken up in the next hour, you really, really come to... You, your brain kind of zones out in a really peaceful way, yeah. knowing that at any moment that could be broken, interrupted. Making so, the most of it. Yeah, you do take... But what, why? I'm, I'm interested, because obviously you're you know, aware of this, but why would you not have thought this, say, I don't know, five years ago, 
why are you more because aware it, of it? Well, because it's starting to snowball, I think. I'm okay. getting less and less patient. You're just so, getting grumpier, generally. <laughs> yeah, it could be and that. you're just using this as a, as a sort of fake... <laughs> yeah. yeah, a veneer for my own... Yeah, but that's that's okay. Arsiness. Um, because yeah, I think the problem is that there's only so much selfishness to go around, and once you have kids, the kids have it all. Because kids, you know, ultimately are, uh, are selfish. That's yeah. really, really um, what they're about. Have you ever seen a giraffe be born? Because uh, giraffes are ready to go off the peg. There's no parenting are, involved. Actually, yeah. so it's like boom, I'm out. Where are we? What are we up to? Does that mean that the, the, the mummy giraffe doesn't have to worry too much? This is it. What's yep, the gestation period though? Must be. Oh, I don't know. Don't rule that out as quite a strenuous. Well, uh, that's part true. Of the experience. You know, I was. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't stick my neck out and go for that <laughs> as a, a lifestyle experience. Yeah, oh, it'd be quite a neck. I, I'm slightly grumpy given things like because I work from home. Mm. If Julie's leaves the house. And she just says, oh, by the way, I'd put some washing on. Could you hang the washing out? And it's such a throwaway thing, that, a, a remark. But I'm thinking, right, OK, that's about 30 minutes out of my day. And you think, well, hang on a minute, hanging the washing out. Sort of it is, because she always manages to put on so much washing. And washing is kind of little fiddly things that don't quite hang on the line properly or they drop off. Mm. And, and so, you know, I, I, I get bizarrely disproportionately irritated when I have to deal with hanging washing out. Have you noticed how impossible it is to be masculine putting out washing? It is impossible. <laughs> and I'm also very conscious of the fact that you're kind of displaying your, your intimates on, on in, you know, in public. And <laughs> mm. I'm thinking, I don't, to what extent do I want to sort of do that? That's true. Because, you know, we live in, you know, we're all overlooked by loads of people. And I just, I I'm overlooked by almost everybody. Are you? But, you know, that's life. <laughs> <laughs> you know um, what I mean. On, um, the, on the precious time thing, have you, uh, there was a comedian, I can't remember who it was, who said that, that one of the, the sweetest moments as a parent is when you put the kid in the car and walk from that door to your door. Yes, yes. <laughs> just round the car. Yeah. It must be all of 10 seconds. Well, it's Beautiful. a good, again, you know that you are not going to get disturbed or interested. And it is, it's, it is, it can be as fleeting as that. Mm. What else have you got this week? Um, people who moan about young people. <laughs> people who think, oh, God, let's have a go at the young people just because political parties are targeting them as yeah. part of the... You know, because, do you know what? I've started doing it, and it, I'm... Minutes ago. I, I, yes, apparently. And I'm turning into my dad. Um, because I remember when you know, my dad, God rest his soul, used to have sort of... Uh, he was... He was, he was quite a Thatcherite basically and right. I was a sort of idealist young person and he had had no um, tolerance whatsoever of my opinion mm. uh, any time in my teens whatsoever he would shout me down and basically uh, and I am paraphrasing I hope he, you know he wouldn't mind uh, basically you have no idea what you're talking about you're way too young to understand life at all and I'm thinking wow that's exactly what I think I said about 10 minutes ago <laughs> And I'm not so sure that's healthy because I generally, you know, obviously I had an awful lot of affection for my dad, but I, I, he was quite intolerant of anybody else's opinion. He did, he wasn't one to sort of exchange views. He was he was one who who believed his opinion. There was no dis dis distinction between his opinion mm -hmm. and cast iron fact. Right. So he wasn't one for debate. It was like this is the situation. You don't know what you're talking about. And young became an insult in his vocabulary. I said, oh, you know, how, how did you do, deal with that? Uh, you, you went into that shop and dealt with something. Oh, it was just served by some young idiot. And it's almost like young was you know, meant you are stupid and you don't know what you're talking about. And I realised that I'm in danger of becoming somebody who has that perspective. Uh, yeah, that's true. And that is a danger. But I don't think that's just the preserve of people getting into their middle and older age. I think... Mm. 
disappointingly, actually, one of the things I've noticed is that young people aren't really listening to other points of view. And in fact, it's a, it's a thing, it's a symptom of social media, I think, isn't it? And the echo chamber of the, echo the things chamber that you follow, thing. which we've talked about before. But, you know, we don't want to be challenged or I think sometimes just saying, I'll look at the facts and make up my mind. Is yeah. Some people see that as an admission, an, an admission, admission. Of, of defeat okay. almost, that yes. they've got it wrong maybe in their argument. You know, losing face is something that people seem so worried about now. Whereas I think it's a noble thing to go, oh, right, okay, I'm going to change my mind on that. I've been presented with new facts. Wasn't it, I'm sure I read somewhere some quote that I I've seen before, but I was just reminded of it in, in some magazine or whatever I read the other day. Some, some I was a politician or philosopher years past who said something like, "When the facts change, I change my mind yeah. uh, to go with it." What do you do? Sort of thing, as if to say, "Well, I." You see, there's nothing wrong to me. There's nothing wrong with anyone changing their mind, and uh, I think one of the dangers we live in politically, and again on all sides of the argument, is that people s- seem to think it's a sign of weakness to sort of say, "Oh, do you know what? Yeah." You've got yeah. a point. Let's let's look at this a different way. That's and right. I don't think I'm not entirely convinced that people are as unforgiving of that as as some politicians might imagine. I think it's actually very healthy, but it's it's portrayed as a weakness. Uh, my last one today: uh, the middle-aged fight against fitness. I'm finding, Mike, that now in my 40s, mm. there's two unfair metrics, well, let's call them. Okay. One, one is the absolutely vanishingly small amount of beer or bad stuff that you, uh, you have to have to notice a visible goddamn increase in weight. God, I'm yeah. talking like, you know, a couple of pints, I will think, I look fatter now. What, in one night? Yeah. <laughs> is Almost, this uh, literally like filling up a balloon? That's how it looks. <laughs> yeah. yeah around my increasingly corpulent middle. The other metric is the ridiculously large amount of exercise you have to do to shift it. Yes. And, and when you are... We've talked a lot about age, haven't we, today? But when you are younger, yeah, both those things are tipped in your favour, aren't they? They, they? The sort of... You can drink and eat badly and not put it on. And yeah. you basically only have to get out of the chair to lose weight. Yeah. Um, and some people... Yeah, even more annoyingly than that, because you kind of accept that that's part of it, some people actually go into middle age to label to do that, mm. to, a, to a degree at least. Yeah, who, metabolism. Yeah, who've got that metabolism. Um, but and, slowly, both these things... are beginning to slide away from me the wrong you know? way yeah in the other direction yeah um, well the thing is when you go, not if right. you go on one of those exercise machines yeah um i don't know, let's say you go on a, on a on a treadmill or cross train or whatever at the gym and you you switch it i never really bothered to sort of program in very program them no. very much because ultimately just row button yeah because <laughs> yeah. you just think yeah in the end all i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to row or run or whatever as fast as i can for 20 minutes does it really matter what the number says on there because True. i can't do much about it whatever i burn up is what i burn up yeah so but then you tend to look at it and at the end of absolutely knackering yourself you look and you've maybe burnt a few hundred calories that's it and then you can walk out and you can you can have a you think oh bit peckish now so grab something off the counter in the cafe cafe before you leave and probably you can take two bites of something and you probably put most of that back on yeah yeah in, in next to no yeah. time i know somebody says well yes but what you're doing is you're also kick-starting your metabolism which which will have an effect while you're sitting down going throughout yeah. the rest of the day i'm not entirely convinced about that mm. it certainly doesn't seem to have much effect on me rowing mm. is back apparently i was reading in the week in the papers that rowing is uh the best exercise you can do for overall body weight i and thought fitness. it was I swimming just, they're rowing apparently according to the times newspaper rowing's boring isn't it i mean like you say they sometimes they'll have this little graphic of another rower that you're racing against yeah and that doesn't really do the job does no. it? that's not going to get you moving also i found when i've had done, have done rowing unless the machine's got a really good seat on it i just keep slipping off yeah. the seat they're they're sort of like you know when you sit on a really really badly shaped uncomfortable bicycle saddle yeah and you Every, well, maybe maybe you're used to it, I don't know, but I, I find out that it just really hurts. I can't really sit on this for long. And I've sometimes sat on rowing th- things where, you know, I'm a big guy, so that probably doesn't help. But um, you, you think, oh, I can't actually do this to the full 
to my full capacity because part of my brain is thinking at any moment now I'm going to fall off and, 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 and maim myself. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'll, I'll stick to the swimming. My gym has this other thing on the cycling where they, they give you a little screen on the computer. Nice. You know, it's supposed to depict a route so you'll be cycling through the Alps uh-huh. or some lovely picturesque village, yeah. which would be fine except for the fact that my gym pumps out the worst Euro house music <laughs> from the 90s. So it doesn't the, really sort of the match effect. the mood. No, it doesn't. Well, you can go these, these cycling things now where there's like a big, almost like a big screen you're like in a multiplex isn't it you work yeah. where all these bicycles point towards this screen yeah. and everybody is kind of um uh sort of you know into that kind of um yeah. you know we're in the great outdoors vibe without the the downside like you know being hit by other vehicles or, or being <laughs> some mad italian coach driver yeah yeah so you know that's, that's a nice thing i might try that but i probably won't we're on itunes or soundcloud you can subscribe to us there if you can be bothered